It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday. Your team, every single day of the week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Odyssey, and wherever you listen to this show and all of your favorite podcasts, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every Friday, like today, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions right here on the show, and I got a ton of them for you this week. So either at me, at Julian Council on Twitter, or DM me, at Julian Council on Twitter, and I will answer your questions. So going to get to those here in just a moment, but let me get in a few things to update you on as we head into Sunday's matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. 1 o'clock, I don't know what channel it's on. I think it's on Fox, actually. Yeah, it's on Fox. Greg Olson's back on the call. So Fox, locally, or wherever you are, you can find the game on the internet, maybe. Sunday ticket. However, it's on Fox, 1 o'clock, Bank of America Stadium, 800 South Mint Street. We know where it is. Okay, so looking at things heading into the game on Sunday, where I'm picking the Carolina Panthers to win again, of course. Um, Christian McCaffrey was back at practice on Thursday. He was limited once again. He was limited also on Wednesday. The first time he's been able to practice since suffering that hamstring injury in that Thursday night game a couple weeks ago against the Houston Texans. Speaking of that Thursday night game, Christian McCaffrey, who says that he feels great, that's what he said on Thursday, that he believes that the short turnaround for Thursday Night Football played a factor in his injury. He doesn't say it was overuse. I know a lot of people, as soon as he went out, were talking about, look, see, the 59 touches in week one and week two, this is what happens. What McCaffrey is really saying is, this is what happens when you play a football game, whether you get a ton of touches or not, because he says guys who play a lot can get hurt and guys who don't play a lot can get hurt, which has always kind of been my point. It's like at any point in time, you can get injured. And of course, the risk and the percentage of you getting injured would go up the more snaps that you play. Well, yes, obviously. But for Christian McCaffrey, it was just bad luck. He says that he feels great, should be back potentially on Sunday. And I am of the opinion that he will play on Sunday. Is that the right thing to do? I don't know. I'm not the team trainer. I'm not the team doctor. I can't really say. I just felt like, and I said last week, why not just put him on IR, give him an opportunity to rest without him forcing his way back or the coaching staff being like, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. In the end of the day, they're going to listen to the trainers more so than anyone else. And Christian McCaffrey does a fantastic job of taking care of his body. Does it make sense to bring him back on Sunday? Like maybe just give him another week, but I don't know. That's what they want to do. And I think that's what's going to happen on Sunday. So expect Christian McCaffrey potentially to play. But I think he will play on Sunday afternoon. Other things to keep up with when it comes to the injury report, Matt Paradis 
The Panther center missed practice on Thursday with an illness. According to Jonathan Alexander of the Charlotte Observer, he should be back today on Friday. So hopefully that is the case. And I put this out there on Twitter. I know that Matt Paradis draws the ire of a lot of Panther fans, including myself. He has not looked great uh, this season. And really, he's only looked good for one season here in Carolina since signing that deal to come over following the injury they suffered back with the Denver Broncos that then led to the end of his tenure there in mile high. But still, Matt Paradis is the best center option on this team. Currently, Pat Elfline, who's on IR for another week, he cannot play on Sunday. Had he been available, then I would actually felt probably okay with the center position in terms of like if Matt Paradis were to miss Sunday's game. I promise y'all, Sam Tecklenburg, Tecklenburg County, whatever you want to call the man, you don't want to see him play on Sunday against Javon Hargrave, who has been on a tear so far this season, or against Fletcher Cox, who's yet to wake up. But he might wake up on Sunday, whether it's Tecklenburg or Paradis playing there in the middle next to John Miller, the right guard, on Sunday afternoon. Either way... The best option at center, and we talk about the offensive line, whether it's time to move some of these guys out, the best option at center is Matt Paradis. So you cannot take Matt Paradis out of the game if you're the Carolina Panthers. So that is, I mean, you want him to play. That's what I mean to say. You want him to play. You can't take him out. You need him to be healthy. You don't want Sam Tecklenburg out there, who's the only potentially healthy center going to be available on Sunday. And if he gets hurt, then who plays center? I know someone pointed out to me that Michael Jordan, um, the guy, the guard, not from North Carolina, but from Ohio State, who was signed, then was released, and now signed to the practice squad that he started a couple games back in college at the Ohio State at center. Maybe he gets elevated. I don't know what their plan is, but they need Matt Paradis to be healthy because you really don't want to be in a position where you only have one true center available on the roster. Cam Irving was also out on Thursday afternoon with a neck injury. Doesn't seem like he's going to play at all, Matt. Rule the head coach, of course, of the Carolina Panthers said on Wednesday that were Cam Irving to miss the game, that it would likely either be Trent Scott or Brady Christensen or a combination of the two, which, come on, considering how Trent Scott's looked at points and times in his Carolina Panthers career and in the preseason earlier this year, the only time we've really seen him so far, I would imagine it'd probably be a combination of both him and Brady Christensen. I know there's a lot of y'all out there who hope that Brady Christensen gets the opportunity on Sunday. I would just expect... If Irving's not going to play, Trent Scott's going to get the first call just because he's a veteran. His coaching staff is clearly going with the veterans through the first four weeks of the season that he'll get the call first. And if he struggles, then maybe Brady Christensen gets the opportunity. And if he gets there, let's hope that Brady Christensen can hold on to it and be the starting left tackle for the Carolina Panthers for the next five-plus years here in Carolina. Also, Shaq Thompson out again with a foot. He's out for he's going to be out on Sunday. Has not been officially ruled out, um, but he's not going to play. He has a plantar fascia issue with his foot. There's an outside chance that he could play next Sunday versus the Vikings. That's what Matt Rule said on Wednesday. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, positive news, though. Etor Grossmatos, who's been out the last two games with a ankle injury, suffered week two against New Orleans, is available for participant. Will be ready for Sunday. And also John Miller with the shoulder and Hassan Reddick with the stinger that he suffered on Sunday in the loss at Dallas. They were both full participants at practice on Thursday. So there is that when it comes to the Carolina Panthers and their injury report and who might be available, who's not going to be available coming up on Sunday afternoon against the Eagles. All right, let's get a quick pause here. Then I will answer all of your Friday mailbag questions. You guys did a fantastic job of getting them into me this week, especially after the news of Jalen Smith and Stephon Gilmore. And there are plenty of Gilmore questions that y'all want to ask me. So we'll get to those here in just a moment. 
We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the field for yet another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yes, sir. It is yet another Friday here on Locked On Panthers, which means it's time for the weekly Friday mailbag. And I got a ton of questions in this week. And I also want to say something real quick before I get into all of this. Not trying to delay it, but really, seriously, thank you so much to everyone who's been listening, everyone who's sending questions. It's been a fantastic week yet again on the podcast. I know the last two weeks have been the highest um, listen, download weeks since I've taken over the show. And I'm sure this week we'll end up topping all of those. You guys have been fantastic. It's a lot of fun things to talk about. I see there's a lot of new people listening to the show, a lot of new people following me on Twitter. And I'm just hoping to put out the best product I can for you. And if you're here and you don't know me, just like I am a guy who grew up here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Grew up going to Carolina Panthers games with my dad. Was actually fortunate enough to go to the Super Bowl back in Houston, Super Bowl 38. Was probably the most fun I've ever had at a sporting event in my entire life. Would have been great to have won that game, but still, that was awesome. So I'm a Charlotte native, born and bred, went to Providence High School, South Charlotte Middle, Joseph Land Elementary, went to Elon University. So I I love this city, love this team, love everything I've seen recently with Scott Fitter. So just want to introduce myself for a lot of people who do not know who I am and just started listening recently. And one thing to know about me is I'm always going to try to be objective and fair when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. There might be times where you think I'm being too hard on the team and I and you don't like what I'm saying. Like if you're looking for a Homer podcast, this is not a Homer podcast. I know the Stefan Gilmore one, like I was super fired up. Like that really sounded homerish, but also like you gotta be, it's fun, it's sports. Be excited. So I'm just letting you all know that if you're just listening in now, I'm gonna give fair, objective opinions on this team. I'm not always gonna sit here and be like, oh yeah, they're fantastic. Cause let's be honest, they've never had back to back winning uh, seasons and they have a losing record all the time. So it's not like there's a, that's not like we can act like this is the greatest franchise ever, even though the fan base for the Carolina Panthers and what the Roaring Riot has done, that is so cool to see how many people have come and follow this team and we're traveling out to Dallas and I'm sure we'll be on the road in the weeks to come. So really excited to be doing this podcast. I'm happy we're in season. The team's three and one atop the NFC South, at least tied with Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the reigning Super Bowl champions. 
So again, thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Thank you so much for everyone who sent in questions. And also just want to do a shout out by speaking of the Roaring Riot. Back when I lived in Nashville, a couple of times I did meet up with the Music City Riot at Tim Roof on uh, Demumbrian. You guys have probably been to a Tin Roof at some point in time in a city that you travel to. They're everywhere. Uh, Harrison, he actually started following me on Twitter the other day. He was the guy who was in charge of Music City Riot. So if you're ever down in Nashville, go check him out, hit him up, and they do a fantastic job, make everything fun. So shout out to him for uh, having me back when I was living in Nashville. And shout out to everybody who's tuning into the show and helping grow this show the way it's grown. Like It's about you guys. I do it because I like talking about this team. Like It's fun to talk about. I mean, this is also like kind of what I do career-wise in a way, um, even though it's kind of more of a side hustle because my main job is at NASCAR, but I used to work at WFNZ in Charlotte before the pandemic and got laid off because of that. But I bounced back. We're good now. We're doing this. So again, thank you all so much for uh, tuning into the show and helping to support it and continue to please listen and tell everybody about it. All right, so the thing that we were really excited about this week, right? Stefan Gilmore, the Rock Hill native. I'm not going to say he's a Charlotte native son because he's, he's not from Charlotte. Technically, he's not even from the state of North Carolina, but it is the Carolina Panthers, two states, one team, all that kind of stuff, all that jazz. But he's back home here in the Carolinas, here in the Charlotte area, and he's a neighbor of Dan Morgan, a Carolina Panther great, of course, and now our assistant general manager and Scott Fitterer, the GM, who I guess had just been watching Stefan Gilmore walked up and down the street the last couple of weeks and is like, you know what? We should get that guy on our team because he's a former All-Pro a multi-time pro bowler was a defensive player of the year in 2019 and new England doesn't want to pay him, but we'll certainly bring him down here to Charlotte and see if we can keep him long-term. And there's plenty of questions about Gilmore and what his future might be here in Carolina. We'll start off with Percy who asked me, Julian, do you think the deal for Gilmore is more of a hired gun for this season? Or do you think there might be a long-term deal offered at some point right now? He's just a hired gun. The Carolina Panthers are paying him $5.5 million for 11 games this season. That is, if he plays the rest of the 11 games this season, is healthy for those. But he seemingly is on track to be ready for week seven on the road against the New York Giants, where he'll make his debut. So I think right now he's a hired gun. We'll see whether he wants to be here. Because what we need to find out in the next 11 weeks, at least the 11 weeks that he's on the roster, and then hopefully, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, maybe 16 weeks of that Super Bowl, because then there's more of a gap this year. I don't know. All I know is. He has an opportunity here, and the Carolina Panthers have an opportunity here to figure out whether this is the right fit through the rest of the season before having to make any sort of commitment either way. And this is a two-way street when it comes to a player wanting to come here or if Carolina Panthers wanting to help him to be here. And that's kind of how I didn't think he was going – why I didn't think he was going to be a Carolina Panther because I felt like, well, they said he was going to be a free agent. And they were, the Patriots, of course, were saying, oh, we're going to release him. You have until 4 p.m. basically, the rest of the NFL, to send in your best offer. All the teams that were talked about to sign him were contenders, you know, at least the perceived contenders that we had coming into the season. The Bucks, who ha- need help at sa- at in the secondary, they just signed Richard Sherman, who was brought in by the Carolina Panthers, at least with a visit. Um, also, they um, the Packers, the Chiefs, all the usual suspects were the ones that were linked to Stephon Gilmore. So Stephon Gilmore is going to have to at this stage in his career. The amount of money he's made, like he wants to get 15 mil per year. So he's probably looking at a three year, $15 million contract per year, at least. So it's three years, 45 million. 
he's going to want to go to a place where he knows he can win. So in the next 11 weeks, when he starts steps on the field for the Carolina Panthers, defensively, we need to see whether he fits in that scheme. The Carolina Panthers also offensively, like a little bit of pressure on Sam Darnold to prove he's the right guy. Because Gilmore, as a corner, I can't imagine he has the highest opinion of Darnold, a guy he played against uh, for three seasons up there when Darnold was with the Jets. He needs to sit here now as a teammate and believe in his quarterback and believe in the system and everything they're building here in Carolina for him to want to stay here long term. Which, I mean, for him... At 31, long-term, two, three more seasons before he retires. So Carolina Panthers proving they were a contender moving forward. will gave him an opportunity to be able to sign Stephon Gilmore. So right now he's a hired gun, but maybe he could be a guy who could sign here long-term. Jack, hi, Julian. Hope you're doing well. Hi, Jack. Hope you're doing well. Tune into the podcast this morning, and I had a follow-up question regarding the signing of Gilmore. Do you think the Panthers will sign Gilmore long-term, or are they treating this as a one-year loan, which is basically the same thing Percy asked, but he also asked, if they do sign him to a deal, do you think that means we'll let D-Jack walk in free agency? Curious to see how this plays out, but I love the move. And I love the move too, Jack. And this is a question that literally everyone was asking last week when the Carolina Panthers went out there and traded the Jags for... C.J. Henderson, like, oh, what does this mean for Dante Jackson? Is he gone now? And it's now the same question they're asking about bringing in Stephon Gilmore, who is on an expiring deal, which is a little bit different situation than C.J. Henderson. And it's also different because Scott Fitter said it himself on Wednesday when addressing the media. The Henderson deal was more of a long-term play, whereas this deal with Gilmore is like, right now, we want to insert him and let him be our number one and like go out here and get it this season. So, yeah, I think there's an opportunity for them to sign him, but it's right now I'm looking at it as more of a one-year, 11-week loan and potentially the playoffs. But in terms of Dante Jackson, Scott Fitter, these are his words, man. He said that they've been planning and budgeting to have him back in terms of Dante. This does not affect Dante at all. Like, that's what he said verbatim. This does not affect Dante at all. Fitter says that there's room for both, Don- not both, for all four. He said there's room for Dante J.C. Horn, C.J. Henderson, and Stephon Gilmore in the future. Remember, J.C. Horn is on year one of a currently four-year rookie deal. The fifth-year option is available. They don't have to make that decision until May of 2023. And then, no, actually, that's, yes, May of 2023. And then with C.J. Henderson, they don't have to make a decision on him. No, sorry. They don't have to make a decision on J.C. Horn until May of 2024. Henderson had to make a decision on him, who's also a first-round pick, former first-round pick, and on a rookie deal, second year of a four-year rookie deal that could have the fifth-year option. They don't have to make a decision on him until May of 2023. They don't have to make a decision on Dante until May of 2024. So they can, Dante, sorry, JC. So they can kick that can down the road, and they can have two of their corners, young, talented corners, on rookie deals, and then still pay Dante Jackson whatever he thinks he deserves, and then they can pay Stephon Gilmore whatever he thinks that he deserves, which will be probably high market rate when it comes to a corner, even though he's over the age of 30. So that's how things could play out when it comes to that. Scott Fitterer's words, this does not affect Dante at all, so listen to the man when he says that. Uh, Jordan, who asks, with Stephon Gilmore, would the franchise tag be available? If so, assuming the game matches the name, what do you think the possibility of using it on him would be? Uh, I'm vehemently opposed to the franchise tag like for the organization obviously it's great like it allowed them time with taylor moton to put him on the tag and then give them time to sign him to a deal but stefan gilmore is like not a homegrown player here and it's not one of the situations where it's like okay like let's figure out let's give take time to figure this out in my opinion it's like he's 31 he's a veteran you know who stefan gilmore is and if the next 11 weeks you can't figure out whether he's the right guy or not and then you have other 
needs throughout free agency. Like you got to figure out what you're going to do. Like with DJ Moore, you're going to need to pay him this offseason. You're going to need to figure out what you're going to do with Hassan Reddick, what you're going to do with Dante Jackson. Like there's not really, if anyone, like you're going to franchise tag like Reddick or you're going to franchise tag like Jackson, like because they're still younger players where you can maybe kick the can down the road. With the Stephon Gilmore, you got to do right by the player here. And you don't want to be an organization that trades for a guy, has him on your team for 11, maybe 12 games or whatever it is. And then you're like, oh, hey, franchise tag. Especially when he's the age that he's at, and this is his last time coming up here in free agency in 2022 in March. It's his last chance to get paid. That would be a horrible look by the Carolina Panthers. So, no, I don't think that they're going to franchise tag and would do that. I think that's bad business by the Carolina Panthers were they to do that. Okay, um, two more uh, on Stephon Gilmore. Jenna. And I actually love this one right here. Jenna said, asking for my fiance for Friday mailbag, which is awesome. Her fiance like does not have Twitter. He's like, hey, honey, can you uh, ask Julian counsel a question for me for the weekly Friday mailbag on Lockdown Panthers? She says, with si- at least well, her fiance asks, with signing Gilmore, are the Panthers looking at a playoff run? Absolutely. Federer said it. This is about right now. JC Horn, maybe he's back at some point this season. We don't know. But they have overhauled the cornerback position. Last year, it was like Rasul Douglas, Troy Pride Jr., who's on IR, but I don't think he would have made the roster. You had Corn Elder, you had Dante, who was banged up, Stan Thomas Aller having to go out there and play. And now this year, even with the injury with JC Horn, you have Dante Jackson, you have CJ Henderson, a former first round pick. You now have AJ Boye, who's out available now. You have Stephon Gilmore. Like that is ridiculous what he's been able to do. And they said that was a weak point. And they want to go out there and they sought after some players to fix that. And they've gone out there and fixed it. And Scott Fitter knows what it takes to build a really good secondary. Does he know what it takes to build a good offensive line? We will find out. But you look at what the Seattle Seahawks have done for a while and Russell Wilson being upset this past offseason. Uh, I don't think he learned anything about building an offensive line in Seattle. But he's a different man. Hopefully now that he's in charge, he can get that fixed this offseason. But um, yeah, Scott Fitter is saying like this is about now. Stephon Gilmore doesn't per se change everything for the Carolina Panthers, but it does give you a unquestioned number one corner at the position. Dante Jackson, he's not that. CJ Henderson, if they want to make him that in JC's place, I wouldn't do that. AJ Boye is no longer that. They are even stronger than they were last week. So, yes, I would think this definitely means that they're trying to make a playoff push. And Matt Rule doesn't know what win now means anyway. He's trying to win every single game. But for Scott Bitterer as a GM, Who's more likely to answer that question? He's like, yeah, we're absolutely trying to go for it this year. Even if those weren't the words that he necessarily said. But his actions prove that they're trying to make a push for the playoffs. And looking at the schedule, which we'll get into here shortly because there's a question about that. I think they all believe that they have a chance to make a run here in 2021. Like, it's not about next year. It's about right now. Okay, Jake, last question here on Gilmore saying, hey, Julian, Hope all is well, man. Hope all is well for you, Jake. With the steal of a trade for Gilmore, how much do you think this helps us for a potential playoff push all the way to the NFC Championship? Like, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Like, right now, the focus should be on winning the division. Because seriously, like I said after the Saints game, there's no reason why the next time they see a division opponent, like not division opponent, but next time they see in December, the first time they see Tampa Bay, there's no reason why the Carolina Panthers shouldn't be 3-0 in a division. And that's where it starts if you want to make the playoffs. Win your division, like not just win your division, but win the games in your division. That gives you the leg up to be able to win that division. And if they can there to beat New Orleans, Atlanta stinks. I know there's the demons of going to Atlanta, but they're horrible. Beat the Falcons twice. You're 3-0 in a division. 
The schedule right now is pretty freaking weak. So go out there, win some of those games, and they're going to be in a good spot. Now, with the NFC Championship game, the NFC West is a bear. Like the Seahawks, the Rams, the Cardinals, like the Niners, if they get Garoppolo healthy, like I don't think they really want to be starting a rookie quarterback in that division. Trey Lance, even if he might have a ton of talent, that's going to be tough. The Packers, I know they got their doors blown off of them, got boat raced down in Jacksonville. They look pretty good again, and they've been in the NFC Championship game back-to-back years, and Aaron Rodgers is still on that roster, right? There's a lot of good teams. Dallas, who just kicked your tail for the most part on Sunday, even though you made it respectable. There's a lot of good teams out here in the NFC, so it's not as just simple as, like, oh, hey, you got to spawn Gilmore now. Like, Does this mean we're going to be able to be in the NFC Championship game? And that's not what you were saying, Jake, of course, but yes, I do think it definitely helps them in their pursuit to try and get to deep into the playoffs. Let's not even say Super Bowl. Let's just say deep into the playoffs. But this helps them really in their pursuit to make the playoffs and then hopefully from there advance. All right, quick pause and more of your mailbag questions here on a Friday. I keep telling y'all about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever and they celebrate the freedom of choice because this is America, right? You have freedom. I know a lot of y'all talk about your freedom all the time. It's kind of annoying. But either way, Built Bar, which is not annoying, is fantastic. And they have so many delicious flavors, including coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, plus the limited time flavors that they also put out there that are fantastic. There's something for everyone at Built Bar, even you. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can always get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. That's 18 Built Bars in one box. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Check out the macros on Built Bar, 17 to 18 grams of protein in most bars, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, let me get in more of your questions. There are a lot, so I'm going to try and get all of them in because I appreciate every single person who sends in a question. I'll try to always answer them until we get to a point where there literally are way too many questions that I cannot answer in the time frame of the show. Like It's supposed to be around 30 minutes. I always go over that, so I'm not going to try and go too over today. All right, RT, which I love this one. Hi, Julian. Avid listener from Lark Hall, Scotland. 
We are in Scotland, folks. Got a question for the Friday mailbag. After the O-line performance at Dallas, do you think we should be looking at getting Christensen and Brown on the field to see what they can do? They couldn't do any worse than their counterparts did on Sunday. Well, that's a pretty good point you put out there. Uh, okay, so obviously Taylor Moten's going to stay at right tackle. We're not moving him. Dennis Daly actually graded out pretty well on Sunday, according to Pro Football Focus, in terms of pl- pass block win rate, which we talked a lot about here. Um, on the show the last couple of weeks as we've tried to evaluate the offensive line, which is not good overall. Um, so I don't think Daly is coming off the field. I'm very interested to see what happens when Elfline is back healthy. Do they try and put Elfline back there at left guard or do they just keep Daly there at left guard? Um, but Paradis, again, you got to keep him on the field. Maybe if Elfline comes back, you might be a better option. I highly doubt it. And you don't want Sam Tecklenburg out there. But in terms of the two guys you talked about, Christensen and Brown, Christensen could get an opportunity on Sunday to play left tackle. I don't think this uh, the organization, this coaching staff right now, views him as a guy who's going to be a left tackle. They've said all the other four positions. Like, they said he can play four positions on the offensive line ex- except for center. But they like him on the right side. Obviously, there's another guy on the right side. And at guard right now, you probably aren't going to put him in there. But he, I think he'd get an opportunity at guard over Brown if there wasn't multiple injuries at those positions. That being said, I think we'll see Brady Christensen at some point on Sunday. Will he start? I don't believe so. I think Trent Scott's going to get the nod there. Whether you love it or not, that's what's going to happen. I Just prepare yourself for that. So if you're going to get mad right now, just be ready to be mad again on Sunday. But I think Christensen will get an opportunity at some point in time at left tackle on Sunday. Deontay Brown, he's yet to be activated. So maybe he'll be activated for the first time all year, but I don't know if that's going to be the case. Surely he could do better. Maybe. I don't know. The coaching staff is going to go with experience. That's all I can really tell you right now. So hopefully John Miller plays better. If not, then maybe Matt Rule will feel like, okay, it's fine. Let's go see what Deontay Brown has. But again, I think Christensen gets that opportunity there at right guard before Brown gets the opportunity at all. Uh, Daniel saying, hey, Julian, hope you're having a great day. I am, Daniel. Hope you are as well. Do you think we should trade for an offensive tackle or should we wait for the draft and a possible trade-up. Um, also, he says, I believe we should start Brady Christensen at left tackle and Blastius. Is that Deontay Brown's nickname? Uh, Deontay Brown at right guard. It can't be worse than what we have now, which is the same sentiment that we're getting from our friend in Scotland, RT. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I'm just saying again, uh, the coaching staff is going to go with experience right now over the youth. Christensen, again, was a second-round guard in terms of how they evaluated him. So he would get the nod over Deontay Brown at right guard before Deontay Brown would get the opportunity. But if there are multiple injuries on the offensive line, then maybe he gets the opportunity. Um, Yeah, in terms of should they trade for an offensive lineman, Scott Fitterer said this on Wednesday when he spoke to the media. He's called teams about the offensive line and no one's budging, even with some of their backups. And Jeff Swartz, a former Carolina Panther, he's one of the guys who's all over O-line Twitter. He's. He like tweeted, he uh, quote tweeted the tweet that was put out there, I think by Joe Person, just saying, of course, why would good teams trade their O-line depth? There's barely any in the league and it's valuable, which makes sense. Like no team is going to help the Carolina Panthers by giving them their offensive linemen when there's barely really any good offensive lines. And it's a problem that everyone, not just the Panthers, there's so many teams on the NFL that are desperate for good offensive linemen, like even a good five, let alone offensive line depth. So trying to find that is going to be difficult. If the Carolina Panthers want to find it, well, you got a lot of corners you could give away, and you also have some pretty good edge rushers you could give away. So that's the way it's going to happen. I don't think anyone out there wants to see that happen in terms of parting ways with some of those players in order to fix your offensive line. Maybe there are some of you who would like to see that. I don't know. 
All right, David. Hey, I have a question for the mailbag. Do you think we will get to see Deontay Brown at any time soon? And what are your thoughts on him? Also, do you think that Chuba could have a standout game against this bad Eagles run D? Uh, Brown, I don't even know if he'll be active uh, again on Sunday. Um, with Irving being out, Christensen. Just only, I guess let me look at the depth chart right now, just like looking at things. With the offensive line there on Sunday, because like it looks like Irving's going to be out. So that means Trent Scott or... Brady Christensen, Daly, Paradis, Miller, Moten, Tecklenburg has to be available, has to be up there. This actually might be the first opportunity for Deontay Brown to be available. But again, because of the ability of a guy like Brady Christensen to play both tackle and guard, that might be able to keep him also uh, inactive once again. That is Deontay Brown. I don't really have any thoughts. He's the guy is huge and that he played at Bama and Bama has always great offensive linemen. And right now the coaching staff clearly just wants to give him the opportunity to kind of come along slowly before putting him out there on the field. As far as Shuba Hubbard, we have a standout game. I don't think he's even going to get to play that much because it looks like Christian McCaffrey is likely going to play on Sunday. So there's that. Appreciate the question, David. Woody. Hey, Julian, love the show. Woody, love you. For the Friday mailbag, does Royce Freeman need to be more involved in the offense? I'm struggling to understand why we're running Chuba so much instead of doing a Chuba-Royce hybrid. Take care. Because they drafted Chuba Hubbard in the fourth round, and they picked up Royce Freeman off of waivers. Like, it's really that simple, guys. Um, Like, the the players that they drafted are going to be valued over the guys that they pick up off the waiver wire that weren't good enough, at least weren't in the plans for another team. In this situation, the Denver Broncos, who drafted a running back, my guy, Javante Williams out of North Carolina. Chuba was fine on Sunday. And here's actually, when I'm looking at the running back position, like if Christian's back, whether he's back or not, like Roddy Smith, who's been here, looks like he offers more for the Carolina Panthers, especially out of the backfield. Like he found the way he played in the fourth quarter for the Carolina Panthers than Royce Freeman provides so if anything I want to see Chuba and Rodney Smith and just a prediction I have not getting any insight here if Christian comes back and we're talking about running backs being on the active roster I think Royce Freeman's the one who who gets let go and then they bring Rodney Smith up that's why I think he's the fourth back on his team that's just my opinion from what I saw on Sunday and how we've seen him use so far Okay, Mitch, he says, in an effort to keep CMC's touches lower, why not line him up at slot more often, let his running touches go to Hubbard, and use him more as a wide receiver? No. <laughs> no. If you Okay, like if you want him to not have as many touches, then don't put him in the game. Right? Because something could happen. Like he could be blocking and then like get rolled up on and get hurt. Like If that's what you're worried about is him getting injured potentially – then don't have him on the field. Don't put him out there at the slot and have Chuba Hubbard run the football. The best running back on the team, the best runner on the team is Christian. If anything, if you're going to hand the ball off to anybody else, hand it off to DJ Moore, not Chuba Hubbard. I like Chuba. Um, Okay, Brody. He shared a tweet from Jeremy Igo or Igo. I don't know how to say the guy's name. I know he's been around for a while. Um, Carolina Huddle, I think, is his deal. And he had tweeted out, next up for the Panthers, Eagles, one and three, Vikings, one and three, Giants, one and three, Falcons, one and three, Patriots, one and three. How many... Our Panther wins. As long as Matt Paradis plays on Sunday and him and John Miller in the interior are able to block, Panthers should win that game. Vikings, potential loss, just based off of how good that offense can be. And Mike Zimmer's defense is not bad. 
Giants, it's a road game. But I feel like the Panthers should win that, even though they just went down to New Orleans and won. I don't really know how good the Saints are. Falcons on the road, you got to win that. Patriots played really well on Sunday night against Tampa. Huh, next five games, you're 3-1 and one right now. You, you want to be, at the very worst, you want to be like, Seven and two, six and three. Like you, that's what that's what they need to be. I'm gonna just go. I would, man. It's tough. I I I don't know. Like I'm gonna say either seven and two or six and three. I feel probably just based off of the, it's the NFL week to week league. Like six and three probably makes a little bit more sense than seven and two. But seven and two, I would not. Sh- they're not. I don't think they're gonna win all five of those games. Just to be honest with y'all. Um, I'm gonna. I'll go. Like I honestly, I think they'll win four of those five. No, I don't. But I'm going to say that. Shallow Waters asks, are our in-season moves more of a product of an aggressive GM or our owner finally, which he puts in all caps, greenlighting aggressive acquisitions of talent? I think it's probably a product of both. I put this out on Twitter on Wednesday. Jerry Richardson, say what you will about the man. I give him credit for bringing the organization here to Carolina. And there was times where the Panthers certainly had success going to two Super Bowls. And you can't say like the last 26 seasons prior, at least oh, it was a 24 seasons. However many seasons, I think that was when he was the owner here, the Carolina Panthers. You can't say that it was all like a complete failure because they had a lot of great moments and fantastic teams and players. I mean, I mean coach like Fox, John Fox is not a bad coach. Neither was Ron Rivera. Like every coach here in Carolina, except for, Oh, was it George Seifert? I can't remember his name. Um, made have made the playoffs, and that's why, like when Matt Rule got hired, I was like, yeah, he's gonna make the playoffs because pretty much every Panthers coach has made the playoffs here in Carolina. Um, but yeah, like he ran this thing like a mom and pop shop, though. This old South, just I'm going to only hire the people I trust, and like he had a point in time where like Danny Morrison left to go you know, work at the University of South Carolina as like an adjunct professor. He's now at the Charlotte Sports Foundation, but they have a team president for a little bit. He fired Dave Gettleman a week before going into training camp because of whatever disagreement they had. And then he brought back Marty Herney for a second stint. Like what other franchise in the NFL would do something like that? He brought in a guy that he trusts to be the interim, which is fine. You want to be the interim for the season, whatever. But after that, you got to go get somebody else. And then to go see Brandon Bean go to Buffalo and have the success he's had made things even worse. So, no, Jerry ran us like a mom and pop shop while David Tepper's here and he came in day one is like understood. Like, I'm trying to win two point two five billion dollars liquid, folks, straight cash, homie. Like this man is out here trying to win football games. He's talking about, you know, can we have some a little bit some short term suffering for long term success? Like, that's what he wants to do here in Carolina. He spent like the first year reworking the, the business side of this. Then he went out and reworked the football side of it. And this organization top to bottom is as stable as it's ever been, if not ever. Like, this is probably the most stable the organization has ever been, the most well-run it's ever been. And I'm not trying to sit here and talk about Dre Richardson's tenure was a complete, uh, like, failure, because it wasn't. But he didn't run the thing like David, David Tepper did. Like, this is a whole new ball game here in Carolina. So, yeah, part of it is an owner greenlighting aggressive acquisitions because this man's aggressive in his own right. And he went out there and he put Teddy Bridgewater on notice when he got rid of Marty Herney. And he put a lot of people on notice. It's also like, yeah, you have a real GM. And Scott Fitterer said, day one, in on every deal. He ain't lied yet. The Jalen Smith thing, he just signed with the Packers. Scott Fitterer talked about trying to trade to get him. He's in on everything. 
So yeah, it's it's a product of both of those things. It's a new Carolina Panthers. I do. I will always look back on the old days of Pep and with Jake and Smitty and the Bojangles commercials and and Moose and Ricky Prohl, Dan Morgan, all that kind of stuff. And I'll look finally on Luke and TD and Ryan Khalil and Cam, of course, and all everything that we saw. But it's a new age here in Charlotte and across the Carolinas when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. And that's a good thing. So honestly, thank you for asking me that question, Shallow Waters. Russell says, since it's inevitable, give us your early top five landing spots for Joe Brady as a head coach next season. Also, do you predict next year's offensive coordinator will be an internal promotion or an outside hire? Uh, Considering the way that David Tepper operates, it will be the best candidate available. So whether that's internal or outside, uh, likely outside, because I know there's been talk that maybe Sean Ryan might make sense, but also um, you go back to Jeff Nixon who has been with Matt Rule since they were back at Baylor, and he was also his, what, co-OC there at Baylor, that he might be the one who gets the call to be the next OC for the Carolina Panthers. We'll see. That uh, that would be great for a guy who's stuck around with Matt Rule to get the opportunity. I just think best you always, 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 always hire the best candidate. Now, you want that candidate to be able to mesh with you and have the kind of philosophy that you want your offense to look like. So that's obviously important. But in terms of like how David Tepper's letting things be run and he's going to sign off on this, he's going to want the best candidate. And Matt Rule also had said like he was been he had been looking at Joe Brady for a while, even before they blew up down there with the uh, with LSU. Like he was looking at Joe Brady back when he was like the Saints and Penn State. Like this because Matt Rule, Penn State guy, he's like I want this guy. Like this is the dude I want to go out there and get. He saw it early, and he did a fantastic job going out there getting the hottest name. In football, period. Like when it comes to offensive coordinators, like colleges wanted him, and LSU had signed him that new deal and basically kept him in Baton Rouge. He could not go any other college unless he's going to be a head coach. And then, of course, the NFL wanted him. Matt Rule went out there and got him. So Matt Rule's going to go out there and get whoever, whatever guy. And I'm sure he's already thinking ahead of who he wants to get in the event that Joe Brady does get a head coaching job after the season with the three and one start and how Sam John has played so far this year. Yeah, Joe Brady is gone. Uh, in terms of like, okay, what of jobs will be available? I thought the Bengals job might be available, but it's. I don't think it's gonna be, I don't think any AFC job is not going to be available. Bills aren't firing anybody. I don't think Dolphins. Maybe things go sideways. But Patriots obviously aren't going to fire about anybody. Neither the Jets. Bengals if they go backwards, maybe. But I don't see currently anybody in the AFC North hiring a new coach. Texans aren't going to hire a new coach. Uh, Jags mate. Okay, so Jacksonville's not, that's up there because Urban Meyer. I can't. I can't see that going on any longer. Denver. If things don't work out with Fangio, that could be a potential. Uh, the Giants. Gettleman's going to get fired probably. Now he's, he's done. Do they Now they'll probably get rid of Joe Judge then because they want new GM will probably want to have his own guy. So I'm just going to – I'm just those, – so those three right now. So we got, we got the uh, Jags, Broncos, Giants because I'm doing this. Bears, Nagy's done. Bears would be the top job. Uh, Vikings. Vikings, if things don't go better here. And then nobody in the NFC South is going to fire their coach. No one in the West will fire their coach unless Arizona goes off the rails here. So, okay, if you want a top five, number one spot is Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. It's Chicago. Uh, They're talking about building a new stadium out there in the Arlington Heights um, area out in Chicagoland. Like, it's the Bears 
top job for sure. Absolutely. You got that rookie quarterback. It's the Bears. So Bears will be one. If Mike Zimmer doesn't end up working out there in Minnesota, it's the Vikings. You at least have Kirk Cousins you can work with, and you have a young quarterback in Kellen Mond. So it would be Bears one, Vikings two, Broncos three. They got to figure out the quarterback situation. If it's Bridgewater again still, Joe's worked the Bridgewater. He knows the system. So I actually would put that three, and it's also the Broncos are a good organization. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. Then with the other ones I mentioned, it would be Jags like five. In terms of jobs, I think will be available. And then the Giants four. Now the Giants might be above, but the Giants like Daniel Jones. We'll see. Because if, jo- if, Dan- if Gettleman goes and Judge goes, I could see Jones going. Because new GM, it's well, he's going to be here for an- He's going to get another season. I-, I could see them bringing another quarterback if they want. That's what they want to do. Because you want to get your own guy. That's kind of how these things work out. Even though the, college- the quarterback's coming out of college. Matt Corral looks great. There's not really a ton of options. Um, if we're being honest right now. And then you've seen Kenny Pickett at Pittsburgh, who's really come out on the scene lately. And Pitt's put out a lot. The Pitt has the most pro Hall of Famers of any school in college when it comes to pro football Hall of Famers, by the way, if you didn't know that. And I already got one, and Aaron Donald is going to go in. You got Larry Fitzgerald is going to be going in, too. So there's two more. Pitt just churns out talent. I'm not saying Pickett's going to be a Hall of Famer. You're saying Pitt has the lineage. All right, Steven, final question of the mailbag. Uh, Julian, what are your thoughts on Terry Bradshaw mentioning he believes Carolina had hit on the best quarterback in franchise history? Is Sam really better than Cam and Loam? And I'm happy you answered, asked me this question, Stephen, because I heard what he said, and I don't believe it deserves an answer, so I'm not going to answer your question at all because that is ridiculous. Okay, oh, fine, I'll answer because Terry... It, okay, Cam Newton is the best quarterback in franchise history. He's the only franchise quarterback Carolina Panthers have ever had. Jake DeLome... Love Jake DeLome, Hall of Honor member, of course. Took the team to the Super Bowl. Was excellent in the playoffs. Excellent. Also, except for that Arizona game, which is kind of how we look at Jake. Not It's not how we only look at him. But it's kind of one of the things that we have a hard time forgetting of how things ended with Jake DeLome. But he had a lot of good years here in Carolina, and I think everyone will always love what he did here. And people might not appreciate Cam as much as they should, but Cam Newton – one of the best things that ever happened to the Carolina Panthers organization. I believe that him playing here made this organization relevant because you look, it's a quarterback driven league and you have a big personality like Cam Newton. Everybody wanted to watch the Panthers and talk about Cam, whether it was him doing a Superman stuff, the 2015 season, or if it's people trashing him for, you know, what he said to Jordan Rodriguez or, you know, what he said, or not dump diving on the football and then walking out of the press conference. Cam Newton was a figure that people always wanted to talk about. So Cam and that and but on the field, Cam was by far the best quarterback they've had. Then it's Jake DeLome. Sam Donald's been here for four weeks, folks. He's played four games. So Terry Bradshaw saying that he's had a long history of not being a Cam Newton fan. So I really don't care what Terry Bradshaw has to say. He is a Hall of Famer. He was a fantastic player back in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, he had a better career than Cam Newton. So of course it's not like he what he says it does not have value. But to say after four weeks, not even it was after three weeks that Sam Darnold was already the best quarterback they had ever hit on in franchise history. Come on. And they really even hit on him. They drafted him. They didn't draft him. They traded for him. And that's not that's not trashing Cam. I just think it's a stupid question. Something a stupid thing. That's not a stupid question, Stephen. But a stupid thing to say after only three weeks. Like, it's not just, it's not premature. It's stupid. Like, we'll see. Maybe Sam Darnold turns out to be better than Cam. And you would hope he turned out to be better than Cam. Because then maybe that might mean bringing a Super Bowl here to Carolina. But only time will tell. 
All right, this was a very long show, and I know they're going to get mad at me for doing a show this long, but I want to answer all your mailbag questions here on a Friday. So thanks again, guys, for listening to the show. and Thank you so much for all the support. Rate, review, subscribe, Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Odyssey, all that jazz. And follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, where you can at me or DM me your weekly Friday mailbag question for next week. Sunday, 6 o'clock. That's when I get the podcast out following Carolina Panthers' win, of course, against the Philadelphia Eagles. So tune in then. Have a great weekend until then. Stay safe. Love y'all. Talk to y'all Sunday evening. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.